the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Welcome to Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg. And it is Panhandle Live for this 15th day of November 2023. Broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building here on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. It's Luke Wiggs and Marsha Kavalik with you um, on this Wednesday. Marsha, it's starting to get to the time of the year where I have to uh, wake up about 10 minutes earlier because that's how long it takes to defrost the windshield of my car. Weather's getting colder, and it uh, presents some unique challenges, and I just thought I'd share that to start off the show, and a busy show that we have today as well. Yeah, find those ice scrapers, y'all. I'm, <laughs> I'm speaking to myself. I'm preaching to my own self right now. Uh, you've been listening to our coverage, of course, ongoing on this station as well as our Metro News uh, channels about the, the ongoing controversy involving Jefferson County's commission. Uh, it's a, a five-member commission. Two of the members have not been uh, coming to the meetings. That's uh, created an issue uh, having a quorum. And uh, you can read that ongoing coverage at Metro News and at PanhandleNewsNetwork.com. Uh, just this week, a petition from Jefferson County Prosecuting Attorney Matt Harvey is seeking to remove those two commissioners uh, from office. One of those uh, commissioners in question joins us via phone, and we're happy to get her perspective. It's Jennifer Krauss. Welcome in. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks for being on. So I, I know we've been talking a lot about you uh, on our networks, on Metro News and, and Panhandle News Network. Uh, let's get your perspective. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. So let's hear, you know, why Why are you guys not, it's been since September 7th, I understand. Uh, okay. The Jefferson County Commission has not had a quorum. The, the uh, critics are saying this means that business has not been able to continue as normal. The county is losing business uh, or is losing money, uh, grants and, and that. So uh, why are you guys sitting out? So um, this, I mean, this is really a, a very long story. And to try to put it into a nutshell is a little difficult. Uh, I will say that the that's a very broad question. So it started because uh, the JC when the seat was vacated, the Charlestown seat was vacated by uh, Commissioner Claire Ass. The commission were we interviewed, we did uh, several interviews. We could not agree as you know, the four of us could not agree on the person that we uh, believed would be the right person for that seat, the right person to appoint. Um, we discussed it, uh, you know, publicly with, with our county attorney present. Um, it was then to move to the Republican Executive Committee to go ahead and, and do their interviews and, and their votes and, um, you know, submit to us at the county commission, three names uh, that we would then work from. Um, and that has its own procedure attached to it. Uh, what I'll tell you is that those three names that were submitted by the Republican Executive Committee to the Jefferson County Commission, those 
their own bylaws, the Jefferson County Republican Executive Committee's own bylaws state, and I will quote here from their from their bylaws, uh, all meetings shall be open to all members affiliated with the party. Meetings shall be conducted according to party rules. All official actions shall be made by voice vote and minutes shall be maintained and shall be open to inspection by members affiliated with the party, uh, as laid out in West Virginia Code 319H. That is from their own bylaws. Uh, they violated those bylaws. They did not do a voice vote. They did secret ballots. Uh, and I do believe that the names that were voted on secretively and then they were not recorded in their minutes so that um, Republicans in the county could then look at those minutes to see who voted for whom, uh, I do believe that we probably would have a, a, a very different list of three different names um, that, that were presented if they had done this publicly as they were meant to do. So what do you think the, you know, what was the reasoning behind that then? Why wasn't it, in, in your opinion, and these are your allegations, you're saying that this was all done secretively. Uh, what was the push? You know, why would they want to uh, to promote these particular three individuals? Well, well, here's what I'll say. So regarding regarding that um, action that they took, uh, that I'm not clear if that was done purposefully or if that was just a, an honest mistake. And and I, you know, I get that sometimes we don't all read all the fine print, right? But uh, that particular um, issue is is now uh, being challenged in court. Um, our commission president, Mr. Stoliper, will not remove that uh, item from our agenda. He puts it right there at the very top, even ahead of public comment. Uh, and because that is being challenged in court, uh, I, I can speak for Commissioner Tricia Jackson and I. We do not believe that it is the proper and correct thing to do to, to be forced into a vote that we're not comfortable with. And when the law is unclear, and I, and I have things to say about that as well regarding our fail-safe and the like, uh, it, is, it is wise to get some guidance from the court. And um, sitting as a four-person commission as, instead of five was working fine for us from June till September, uh, and, you know, if we had to remain a, a commission of four until the general election, that would be absolutely just fine with, uh, with both of us, Commissioner Jackson and I. It's very curious uh, why Mr. Stoliper insists on leaving this on the agenda when, um, you know, it is a, it is a uh, uh, currently being challenged in court. Well, he has said he has said on Metro News that he um, he believes he would be breaking the law if he didn't have it on the agenda. No, ma'am, that is not true. Uh, in fact, if that were true, I'm sure that our county attorney back in June, after we originally had our vote uh, together as a, as a commission to try to hire or I should say appoint somebody to that seat, our very own county attorney mentioned that if we could not 
come to a consensus on who to appoint to that seat, that it's it was likely that we would have to remain a, a, a commission of four until the general election in November. Um, he said that publicly, um, and if if that were against the law, if that were something that would be violating any code, I'm certain that he would not have mentioned it. Uh, Jennifer Krause is joining us, and uh, my apologies, we had a, a, a emergency weather alert that popped up right when you started to answer that last oh, question. No. Do you do you mind uh, just restating that? I wanted to make sure that uh, you got that out clearly. Okay, yes. Thank you for letting me know. I didn't hear that. Um, what I was going to say was, the Mr. Stoliper would be violating nothing uh, if he if he were. I'm sure that our county attorney would not have mentioned back in June that it would be possible for us to remain a four-person commission until the general election in November. I'm certain that he would not have said that if uh, Commissioner Stoliper would be violating any any law, any code of any sort. So that that's what I have to say about that. Well, while we were you were going through the process of uh, you know potentially naming a new member, were there conversations that were had between you and Commission President Stolifer that uh, you know if you weren't able to uh, reach a, an agreeable solution, that a sit out is exactly what you guys were going to do? So no, um, I'll I'll say that we have we both Commissioner Jackson and I both have said. If you will remove this item from the agenda, we will be happy. And we want to come back to the meetings and get county business done. I will tell you this. I am a mother. I am a grandmother. Uh, I'm a wife. I am not a politician. And I am so, you know, I, I got involved. I, first, I was asked to get involved. I did a lot of praying. I did a lot of talking with my family. I talked to my pastor, and I decided maybe this would be a good thing. And and I enjoy it. I, I, it's very humbling. It's very, very humbling to have been elected. It's a wonderful thing. What I have learned, what I have found out for myself since becoming elected and since, you know, I mean, this is just such a dirty, disgusting place with uh, the swamp. It's not just in D.C. It's, it's very real here in Jefferson County. Even I thought this would simply be a you go, you, you, you talk to your constituents, they, they ask you for help on things, and, and you do those things. And, you, and you, of course, you go to the meetings and, you know, take care of um, the, the financial business of the county and so on, uh, which – this part of the job I love. I absolutely love it. And I, and I will tell you, uh, helping people who have reached out to me, this is, this is a treat. I love it. Uh, what I do not love is what I'm noticing about the um, filthy nature of the people in um, perceived uh, power positions. I, I, it's just it's very disheartening, um, and it's, it's toxic. It, it really is. So, um, as as we know, uh, 
prosecuting attorney Matt Harvey uh, served papers to both you and Commissioner Jackson uh, seeking to remove you from office for a, quote, willful and intentional refusal to attend meetings uh, that he says has deprived the commission of a quorum and the ability to carry out the lawful business of the county. I know you said you can't comment a lot on that. Uh, That that will be uh, heard by a three-judge panel. Meanwhile, there is a Jefferson County Commission meeting scheduled for 6 p.m. tomorrow. Are you going to be in attendance? So first, let me say regarding Matt Harvey, I reached out to Matt Harvey and I asked Matt Harvey for help and guidance. Uh, I have asked people who have, uh, I be- in my opinion, Commissioner Stoliper asked them to, to reach out to me in, in an attempt to bully. I have asked them. I said, I- I'm happy to come back to these meetings. But please talk to your friend, Mr. Stoliper, and ask him to remove this item from the agenda so that we can move forward. Um, so, so I'm very disheartened that Matt Harvey decided to file these papers offering uh, Commissioner Jackson and I no help whatsoever, no attempt at any kind of um, mediation, nothing. Um, it's, it, so, so here is what I will say about the meeting tomorrow. If Commissioner Stoliper removes that item number one from our agenda, Commissioner Jackson and I will be more than happy to be present. We want to get back to work. This is, this is really, I never saw anything like this happen, you know, in, in my wildest dreams. This is, this is awful. And I don't enjoy it. What I will say also is this. I have been working. Uh, This job is a lot more than just attending meetings, you know, twice a month. It is a lot more than that. And, uh, you know, anybody that thinks otherwise is incorrect. Um, I spend a lot of time helping people who call me asking for my help with various issues they're having uh, in their in their uh, area, uh, maybe issues they're having with their property, uh, things like this that I'm happy to to um, assist with. Uh, I travel, I spend time away from my family so that I can learn more and do more and be more effective. Uh, I want to get back to work. And I will tell you, and I'm I'm saying it publicly, as I have said many times before, if Commissioner Stoliper remove that item from the agenda, Commissioner Jackson and I will be there. The simple issue here, and just to lay it out very clearly, that seat is the subject of litigation that is in that is in the courts as we speak and the right thing to do is to allow that to play out let a uh, judge tell us how do we proceed in this case Um, that particular law was written for a commission of three there are there are 55 counties in this state and only two of us have five commissioners. That law was written for three commission panel. Um, the 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 uh, are you are I assume you guys are familiar with the process of the striking and things like that. Would you like me to go into that at all and why we can't proceed? Well, I will say uh, we're gonna ha- we're running up against a, a time uh, break that we have to take, but I, I want to ask you, uh, Jefferson County Commissioner Jennifer Kraus, uh, because we've got kind of a limited amount of time, can you direct folks to where they can find out more about your perspective and the perspective of uh, Commissioner Jackson uh, okay. so they can kind of do their own research as well? 
Okay, so so I would um, like to say I have a Facebook page that I that I do use uh, in order to get my voice out, as as does Commissioner Tricia Jackson. I have been silenced two times on our agenda by Commission President Stoliper. Uh, he has ignored two of my agenda requests, and therefore I can't use my voice on the commission. And I have come to find out from other electeds as well as uh, people in our community that he has ignored their agenda requests as well, which he does not have the right to do. Uh, I would encourage people to follow me on Facebook, JCC Krause. Uh, I would also encourage people to look up Commissioner Tricia Jackson on Facebook as well. Uh, reach out to us, uh, email, call, the numbers are all there. Our, our email addresses are there. Uh, we are happy to, to talk to anybody who would like to call, ask us questions, whatever. Very good. Our guest this morning has been Jefferson County Commissioner Jennifer Krause, and uh, we really appreciate you giving us the time. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, too. All right, very good. Uh, we'll take a break, and we'll continue the conversation in just a moment here on Panhandle Live. You're listening to Panhandle Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online, too, at countryroadstire.com today. As always, you can text us, 304-263-4321. Uh, getting, a, getting a little bit of buzz from uh, our last interview with uh, Jennifer Krause of the Jefferson County Commission, and uh, we will uh, read some of those texts when we have a little bit more time later on in the show. Uh, but, Marsha, our next guest joins us uh, via phone. That's right. Jill Upson, the executive director of the Herbert Henderson Office of Minority Affairs, and the women's the West Virginia Women's Commission joins us via telephone. Welcome in. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me back on. Thank you for your patience today. So you've got some some big events coming up and uh, some contests that you want to promote. Yes, I do want to talk about the contest because we're going to extend the deadline for the poster contest for Martin Luther King and the Living the Dream Award nominations. Uh, we're going to extend those to December 15th. So I did want to mention that we do love getting entries from all around the state. Uh, and so I want to encourage people from the Eastern Panhandle to uh, to get their posters in. If they are in grades K through 12, uh, they still have time to go to our website, minorityaffairs.wd.gov, and uh, just click on the link that says MLK Contest, and they'll be able to get all the information that they need to submit their uh, their poster artwork for that contest. And then the other thing that I think is very timely and very important regarding the contest is that this year's quote that they'll be drawing their posters based on is, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And I'm so glad that that quote was selected for this year because I think it's really timely. Unfortunately, there is a lot of judging being done out there um, in society based on immutable characteristics. And so if we can teach children in K-12 that, you know, looking at people based on their character is what we ought to be doing, uh, I think that that's a, that's a positive thing. And I, I would really encourage kids to, uh, to get their poster uh, artwork to us by December 15th. 
Our guest this morning is Jill Upson. Obviously, you mentioned uh, in the news cycle so much going on, uh, people being ostracized, sometimes personally attacked because of uh, their race or religion. And, uh, you know, we always kind of hope we'd be post-racial, you know, in, in the United States. And it just just doesn't seem to happen. Yeah, I really think I was thinking about it uh, this morning, and I just, you know, it's so sad because I think that, you know, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would just be shocked and surprised that in 2023 we are having similar, you know, problems that we had, you know, back when he was fighting for civil rights. And I would, you know, suspect that he would think that we'd be a lot further along than we are in that area. And so as much as, you know, I at the, the Office of Minority Affairs and uh, the Women's Commission can help advance his message of, you know, nonviolence, number one, and number two, um, you know, not judging people based on skin color, you know, I'm really happy to do that. Well, I think when you go back and you look at that speech, you know, something that, that's so fascinating about, uh, you know, what Dr. King delivered. And, of course, the, the copy of that speech is owned by George Raveling, a, a former coach of USA Basketball. And if you look at the notes, the way that Dr. King wrote it, the I have a dream line ended up being completely improvised. He pivoted in a different direction and made up the second half of that speech. I mean, how profound is it for him as a speaker that the most iconic, one of the most iconic lines ever delivered by an orator ever is something that came off the top of his head? That is just absolutely amazing and and a fascinating piece of history, and it just shows you how he was chosen for that time, Uh, the, the fact that that came up, because that's something that we needed to hear as a nation and still need to hear as a nation. And the fact that it's such a timeless message really is amazing. Our guest this morning is Jill Upson. She's the executive director of the Herbert Henderson Office of Minority Affairs and West Virginia Women's Commission. Um, you know, you mentioned that it's, there's just heightened awareness because there's heightened activity regarding um, folks just not being good actors, uh, you know, dis- right. discriminating against people because of, of where they were born or their, their religion. Um, so does the Office of Minority Affairs do much advocacy or, um, you know, can you direct folks in the right uh, place if they feel like they've been discriminated against in their workplace or, or other places? Yeah, so we do um, refer people to the Human Rights Commission because that's where all of the attorneys are that take up issues of discrimination, whether or not uh, it's in the workplace or, you know, whether or not it's in housing rentals or uh, any other, um, you know, part of society where people may be experiencing discrimination, um, they can definitely reach out to me um, at my office or they can go directly to the, uh, the Human Rights Commission. But if they do call, that is typically where I send people who are experiencing uh, some form of discrimination. And unfortunately, it seems like, you know, over the I, – I, I won't say what length of time because people always get really, you know, prickly about that, that, oh, well, you're blaming, you know, this elected person or that elected person. I'm just saying that I'm seeing an increase um, in tensions and, uh, you know, just a, a lot of really troubling and concerning um, you know, racism and um, anti-Semitism um, and bigotry towards so many different groups lately. And, you know, we really need to, all of us need to do what we can to tamp that down. 
Jill Epson is with us. Uh, you, you know, you talked about the Martin Luther King Jr. celebration. It seems to get bigger and better every year. Uh, w- tell us when that's planned for and, uh, you know, what kind of scope we're talking about this coming year. So, yes, it does get bigger and better every year. Um, last year we had a really good turnout with our symbolic march. So after our uh, our ecumenical service uh, in the morning on uh, January 15th that we have, we've moved it to the Culture Center because it's grown um, from Asbury Church, where we used to hold it for many, many years. And uh, after that service, we, we give out the Living the Dream Awards, and uh, then we do a symbolic march and bell ringing over to the front of the Capitol. And so it's just a really nice day and a really positive vibe and very educational, especially for uh, the younger generation to learn about uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s life and his legacy and his work um, and his message. And we've actually had a couple of uh, very prominent Living the Dream award winners from the Eastern Panhandle. I think in 2019, we had Angela Gray from Berkeley County was one of the winners. And then we had um, uh, Dr. Chiquita Howard Bostic, uh, who is just a dynamo in every way. She was the winner uh, in 2021. And then last year, we had uh, Takaya Smith also from Berkeley County uh, to win the award. So uh, for people who are listening, you know, if you have someone who, you know, exhibits, uh, you know, scholarship and uh, selflessness and human and civil rights, and you want to nominate that person, please do not hesitate to submit your packet. And again, just check our website and it'll give you all the information that you need to do that. Jill Upson, thank you so much for being on with us this morning and uh, keep in touch. Will do. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, that was uh, Jill Upson. And a note to our next guest that's uh, waiting on hold, just hang on through the break, and uh, we'll have you on coming up in just uh, a couple of moments. You're listening to Panhandle Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Spring. Local news now at panhandlenewsnetwork.com. Now back to Panhandle Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, broadcasting from the Hoppy Kirchival Building here in uh, Martinsburg. It's Luke Wiggs and Marsha Kavalik. That's just such an interesting story that George Ravelin got to tell, Marsha, before we get to our next guest. Um, he was being recruited to the greater D.C. area to play college basketball and just happened upon the speech that ended up being the I Have a Dream speech. And since he was such a tall, tall guy, he was picked out of the crowd and asked if he would do security. So you see on the delivery of the I Have a Dream speech from Martin Luther King, George Raveling, who ended up being a coach for USA Basketball, standing behind MLK. Wow. When the speech was over, he pulls Dr. King aside and he said that was you know fantastic. That was one of the best speeches I've ever heard, to which he takes his notes, folds them up, puts them in George Raveling's pocket. Later, he goes home, undoes the notes, looks at it, looking for his favorite line, which mm-hmm. is the I Have a Dream line, wow. and realizes that Martin Luther King completely improvised the entire second half of that. It's amazing. Well, inspired. That's why they call it inspired. So uh, joining us via phone, keep, uh, you know, speaking of inspiring folks, uh, is Berkeley County's teacher of the year, Rebecca Catlett. Welcome in. Thank you so much. It's nice to be on the show again. Thank you for your patience today. And uh, well, let's talk about your, your background. You, you still teach at uh, Spring Mills high school and middle school, right? I do. I teach English as a second language at Spring Mills High and Spring Mills Middle. And you're involved in more than just teaching in the classroom. You've got some student groups together. Talk about some of your favorite things that you're involved in. 
Sure. So I think two of my favorite things that I'm involved in, one would be our multilingual student ambassadorship program. It's a program that we are super proud of here at Spring Mills High. Uh, the program exists to welcome new students, especially those who speak a language other than English. We connect those newcomer students with um, proficient bilingual students and they are their tour guides for their first couple of days of school. They introduce them to their teachers. They um, eat lunch with them and just help them feel an instant connection to our school community. And the program is very vibrant and growing. This year we have over 20 ambassadors. You know, it's one thing to learn a language in school, but that, you know, that whole immersive nature of what you're asking them to do, not only learning it and being proficient, but also using it as a tool to welcome folks who are native speakers. Absolutely. Well, we want our school to be a welcoming place to everyone. Our principal, Mr. Salfia, it's very important to him that all of our students feel heard and seen, accepted and loved. And so the Multilingual Student Ambassadorship Program goes a long way uh, to make that happen for our new students. So, you know, you're Berkeley County Teacher of the Year. That's pretty impressive. It seems as though, um, you know, part of part of your mission is to do more than just what happens in the classroom walls. Why is that important to you? Well, I think still when I hear Rebecca Catlett, Teacher of the Year, it still seems surreal. It's a tremendous honor and one that I accept with a, a lot of humility. But I also view the role of Teacher of the Year as one of responsibility. And I feel responsible um, for uh, not just my students, but I feel responsible to my colleagues, my students' families, and my community. So you're right. I do look at it as reaching far beyond the classroom, and I look for ways as Teacher of the Year to serve my community. So, for example, I've made plans with Martinsburg Young Lives. Um, it's a local organization that exists to support and encourage um, teen moms. And I've made plans with them. In January, I will be speaking at one of their meetings about the importance of reading to your baby and reading to your toddler. And I'll be giving away books to all the moms. So that's an example of a way I'm trying to serve the community around me. Also, litter busters. Oh, yes. Um, so um, I love the West Virginia Litter Busters. I'm the founder and CEO of the West Virginia Litter Busters. I was inspired to start a group um, a few summers ago when I was on a West Virginia waterfalling adventure, and I noticed all the litter around this beautiful state. And so I started a grassroots effort, hoping that a few friends would join me in picking up litter. And um, very quickly, the group grew, and now we have almost 1,000 members across the state and here at Spring Mills High School we have the first West Virginia Litter Busters affiliate group. In fact the last time I was on your show it was to talk about the West Virginia Litter Busters High School affiliate group. Uh, last year we had six members and I'm so excited to share an update with you today. Right now we have 28. Wow. So our group has really grown. What is it about ESL specifically that drew you to teaching it? You know, I, I remember taking two years of Spanish in high school and frankly didn't get to retain much of it as much as I wanted to. I mean, what is it specifically about languages that intrigued you and, and, and got you into teaching? So I think I was most drawn to teaching English language learners because I love watching their growth. I, I just It's amazing how much they grow, how quickly they learn. And it was a new challenge for me as well. I, I've always taught middle school, um, 
the first 22 years of my teaching career, I taught special education. That, of course, has special challenges that I enjoyed and loved. But I was, I was ready for some new challenges in my professional teaching career. And I still wanted to be teaching reading. I still wanted to be teaching writing. Uh, but I wanted to do something different. And English language learners, it was like new wind in my sails, so to speak. It was a new challenge. And I just I love watching them grow. It's very rewarding. Working with them is incredibly rewarding. I also really enjoy connecting with their families. What is it like when you get to experience, you know, what we call those light bulb moments? You know, you have Mm -hmm. a student that's struggling with a a particular turn of phrase or pronunciation or things like that to see Mm -hmm. something really click in a young person's mind and really start to figure things out. I'm sure that's one of the biggest joys of being a teacher. It absolutely is. I call them glimmers, you know, those glimmers in your day. Uh, There's nothing like it. It's hard to put into words when a student has those aha moments, and it never gets old. After 26 years, it still isn't old. It's still thrilling when they learn something for the first time. But I think I should also note that I learn something from my students every day. Every day they teach me something. I'm not only learning Spanish and French and Haitian from many of my students, but I also learn a lot about just being a better human being from my students. Um, can I share a quick story from a lesson yesterday? Absolutely. Um, so yesterday, one of our vocabulary words was the word mansion. And um, we were actually studying the word because it doesn't follow spelling rules, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the discussion questions was, would you like to live in a mansion? Why or why not? And one of my students said, Mrs. Catlett, all Americans live in a mansion. Because wow. in his perspective, from where, from where he um, or was originally living, uh, everybody does live in a mansion. And so we talked about, in their view, what makes a house a mansion. And they mentioned things like having windows, having indoor plumbing, having a rooftop, having a floor. And so for me, especially this time of year when we're all, I think, sort of taking stock in the things that we're grateful for and the things that we're thankful for, for me, that moment in time made me pause and really be so grateful for things and realizing um, just how wonderful um, our homes are. So just that, that was just a moment when my students taught me something. Our guest, this mor- our guest this morning is Berkeley County Teacher of the Year, Rebecca Callett. Obviously, uh, you, you are a very optimistic person. We talk a lot on these airwaves on Panhandle Live, Panhandle News Network, and, and WV Metro News about some of the struggles happening in education. Um, With this platform that you have as Teacher of the Year, uh, could you talk to, you know, our listeners about what you think teachers need um, in order to continue, you know, feeling good about what they're doing and and doing the best for for our students and and keeping, keeping, you know, staying in the profession? Sure. So I think something that all teachers need, we need everybody to be on the same team. And what is that team? It's not Team Berkeley County Schools. It's not Team Spring Mills High School. It's not Team Mrs. Catlett. It's Team Student. We all need to be on the same team working toward the same goals for, that, for their student. And coming to the table with an assumption that everybody has good intent. And coming to the table together with the assumption that everyone wants a positive outcome, that we all want the same thing, and that is for our students to succeed, not only in school, but in life beyond school. And so I think um, just 
everyone rallying around our students and knowing that they are our why every day. Why do the bus drivers drive the buses to get them here safely? Why is our kitchen, staffing, kitchen staff preparing meals so our students have nutrition today? And uh, I feel um, our parents and families and caregivers, um, when they visit a school, call a school, uh, communicate with school, their why should always be about positive outcomes for students. And I think that would go a long way um, in making teachers feel supported if they knew that everyone was on the same page wanting the same things for kids. Well, very well said. Our guest this morning has been Berkeley County Teacher of the Year, Rebecca Catlett. We really appreciate you giving us the time, and uh, congratulations on this uh, pretty prestigious honor. Thank you so much, and I wish everyone a wonderful day and a fantastic Thanksgiving. Absolutely. And again, that's uh, Rebecca Cat with the Berkeley County uh, Teacher of the Year. we got another break to take and one more guest to get to. We'll get to it on the other side here on Panhandle Live. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg, it's Panhandle Live. Final segment of this Wednesday edition of Panhandle Live. Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online, too, at countryroadstire.com today. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Old Harvey. will be standing by here in about 15 minutes or so with another edition of Metro News Talk Line. But we've got a couple of more minutes of airtime between now and then, Marsha, okay, and our well, next guest in studio. Yes, since you mentioned that, I All should right. say Joe Manchin, top of the show. Hey. So um, tune in. It, it's a lot of Joe today. Um, <laughs> it's a I'll Joe just, show. It's a Joe show. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so joining us, and, and I really appreciate him being flexible and coming in, Matt Mullinax from the Hagerstown Eastern Panhandle Metropolitan Planning Organization. Welcome in. Yeah, good morning. How y'all doing? Uh, what do the cool kids call it? Is it Hepmapo? Uh, yeah, that's, that's the one. Right on the money. Okay, right. Okay. <laughs> yes. We'll just put that on a t-shirt. Okay, <laughs> so uh, you guys have a new survey. <laughs> we do. Yeah. Thank you, Marcia. So um, we're working on uh, our area's first uh, safety action plan. And today's the first day of a public survey we've released using an online platform called MetroQuest that's open through December 15th. And we're really encouraging the public to come uh, go to the website, take the survey uh, and tell us information about their safety concerns, um, their safety priorities, uh, how they interact with the transportation network and their experiences. And then there's a mapping component where they can identify certain locations where there's known safety issues, congestion issues, or they can even talk about near misses that they've had and concerns that they have as I-81, well. I eighty one, I eighty one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll take it and and any uh, suggestions for improvements that they might have as well. So, when a survey comes out like this and you guys sit with it, mm -hmm. um, what actions can be taken? So with this uh, safety action plan, the input that we get from the public goes into what we call our recommendation prioritization model. So those roads or sections or intersections that we identify as the highest priority for the region. And one of the things that has come out of the new, you mentioned Joe Manchin, <laughs> one of the <laughs> things that's come out of the uh, bipartisan infrastructure, law, the federal infrastructure bill is a, is a handful of new uh, safety-focused transportation programs, both discretionary and allocated grant funding programs. And so by identifying these projects through the use of public input, it positions not only West Virginia DOT, but also our city and county governments to apply for these funds to see physical improvements made that will directly uh, improve safety in the area. 
So I know you probably have a lot of meetings where you guys talk about possible solutions. What are some really cool things that could come out of this? I mean, we have so much truck traffic here. We're, you know, Washington County has just had its, uh, uh, its, uh, uh, structure changed a little bit so that they can allow more foreign trade to come in, which means more warehousing. I mean, can can there be alternate roads for just tractor trailers? What kinds of in, innovative solutions are there? Yeah, those are certainly uh, some things to be considered. We we actually just this morning um, we were having a, a long conversation with some of the West Virginia DOT folks on. Uh, some of their traffic folks on um, what they call ITS or intelligent transportation systems. Um, so that is dynamic messaging system. So that's advanced signage of wrecks or things that are happening. Like there was just one installed uh, around mile marker 10 on I-81. Uh, we talk about the use of CTV cameras, uh, traffic cams for operations, traffic incident management. We also talked a lot about updating um, signal technology, so how signals uh, coordinate with each other, how they can be coordinated in the event of an incident, um, whether it's weather, uh, uh, traffic, uh, a crash, things of that nature. Because um, some some signals, when there is an incident, like on ID one that you mentioned, uh, in order to get the timing change to accommodate detour traffic, a signal technician actually has to go to the signal they have to go through the traffic they have to go through the traffic get to the signal what they call the the mast and then on the mast is the cabinet they got to get in the cabinet and reprogram it and if a signal tech for a major accident on id1 can't get there say within like 10 to 15 minutes it it, it's they're unable to make those types of adjustments to keep traffic moving we just had a big incident on id1 last week my my kids was stuck in um a traffic for hours and then 11 got you know so if you've got a traffic engineer coming to try to fix the lights right so updating the technology to where it could be uh it's it's coordinated it's it's communicating back to what they call their their tmc their traffic management area in charleston um all those are are innovative or technological improvements that we were hoping to look at and bring to the eastern panhandle to improve some of these conditions when you say bring them to the eastern panhandle do you does your organization have a funding mechanism or are these suggestions that you make to the governing bodies? We have some funding mechanisms um, for smaller type projects. So um, we're, we're talking about ID1, but also the, the survey can extend to pedestrian, bicycle and transit riders. Um, we do have a small sub allocated funding source that we use. So um, two projects that are getting ready to come online that, that our policy board has selected one is updating the signals and adding crosswalks at the intersection of Queen Street and Moeller uh, here in Martinsburg. Another is adding uh, pedestrian crossing at the new signal, or I shouldn't say the new signal, the revised signal in Shepherdstown, uh, where the new sheets is and where the bike path ends, you know, linking that up. So there are, we do have some small funding mechanisms, but in addition to asking the, the state and helping them see the importance of these projects, again, it can, cities and counties, there's a certain type of program now that's called Safe Streets for All that is only city and county governments are eligible to apply for. So if there is an unsafe intersection or a safety concern, say, on city streets in Martinsburg, the city of Martinsburg themselves, once this plan is complete, could apply for funding. Well, opening up a survey like this to the public, are you seeing a lot of uh, repeat suggestions and things from, you know, specific areas of issue that need to be addressed that have been raised by multiple different people? So I haven't seen the, I mean, we're... we're Just live today, right? <laughs> yeah, we're... Uh, Are we're you expecting almost, to see a lot of... two hours. 
uh, with the survey. Yeah, I, I would expect that we would. And I know that because um, I hear this from folks that see me at church or at the supermarket <laughs> or out and about. They're like, hey, I, they're I, they're I did you. your I did your survey in 2014 and there's still an issue. And um, if it, it, it can be hard and it can be frustrating with sometimes how long it can take to deliver a transportation project, especially one where there's a known um, safety issue. But um, it's important, too, to stress that those issues have not gone away, regardless of delays to projects, funding changes, elected official changes, even, you know, appointed officials, whether at the uh, federal, state, or local level. Also important to note, um, you know, you're from the Hagerstown Eastern Panhandle Metropolitan uh, planning organization, which means that you, we've talked a lot about 81, but it could be Route 9 west towards Morgan County or east towards uh, Ranson. For example, that whole Oakley Drive uh, Route 9 issue there, that's probably going to show up on the survey as well. Uh, the survey is live today. Mm-hmm. You've got a month, folks, to fill this <laughs> out and put your uh, your you know, message in as well. How can folks find out more? Yeah, so they could go to our website, which is hepmpo.com. Um, and we have uh, links on our website, on our Facebook page, um, and other spots that will take you to. You'll, you'll see a URL that says something like metroquestsurvey.com. That is, that is our survey. We get all the information. And as we go through on a weekly basis leading up to mid-December, we're going to be posting maps of what we're hearing from the public so folks can review that and see, oh, that's that's my dot. That's what I put mm-hmm. on that map. Ah, nice. Absolutely. Well, Marsha, before we uh, log off for the day, uh, we've got a special event that we want the listeners to know about tonight. That's right. You can get there in person, Shepherd University, uh, in the store ballroom, beginning at 530 if you want to be part of the, uh, the uh, small groups. And then at 6 o'clock on these here airwaves and at panhandlenewsnetwork.com, it is the Policing of Hate Crimes and Hate Speech. It's an event from the Stubblefield Institute. You can see more at panhandlenewsnetwork.com. Very good. Hoppy Kirchival is coming up next, but we do want to say goodbye. Matt Mellonex, thank you very much for coming on with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Again, Hoppy Kirchival standing by, coming up here in just a couple of moments, and we'll be live from the store ballroom tonight. You can hear it right here on WBPM and WCST. For Marsh Kavalik, I've been Luke Wiggs. This has been Panhandle Live. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of I'm living on the air in Cincinnati, Cincinnati WKRP. Got kind of tired of packing and unpacking, town to town, up and down the dial. Maybe you and me were never meant to be, just maybe think of me once in a while. That highway leaving you behind Hardest thing I ever had to do Broke my heart in two But baby, pay no mind The price for finding me was losing you Memories helped me hide my lonesome feeling Far away from you and feeling low It's getting late, my friend, my love, I miss you so care of you, I've got to go.
a.m. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.